0: It's an okay week to be a Chiefs fan. Maybe not a great one, though. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I'm your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser, if you want to be all familiar and call me by my real name. And like I said, it's, it's an okay week to be a Chiefs fan. Not a great week. She's lost to Dallas, as you all know, in such a kind of depressing manner that I'm actually recording a little late this week. Normally this drops on Mondays, and I just couldn't bring myself to watch the game again Sunday night. I don't do this unless I'm able to go over the game a couple times and really give you guys a little more in-depth analysis. And so... Here we are. It's Wednesday afternoon. I'm recording now. This will be dropping to you on Thursday. After many, 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 many of you told me that you would rather I do this after having reviewed the All-22. Which I've now done a couple times. So, you know, the Dallas game. That was... It felt like a Pittsburgh game. I finally figured that out. That's why it felt depressing. It felt like a game the Chiefs really should have won. But yet, somehow, they never really felt like they were quite in it for longer than about, oh, maybe three minutes of the game uh, at various times. And I think that's why it just felt so depressing. It just felt like uh, such a weird, just debilitating loss, which they were just kind of slowly smothered. And nobody likes that. I don't think there's anyone that really, you know, enjoys watching that kind of game. It was one of the least enjoyable games I've seen this year. Right next there to the, again, you guessed it, the Pittsburgh game. And so I want to talk a little bit about that game, a little bit about some of the things that I saw in it, including Kareem Hunt not getting the ball as much as he should of Alex Smith struggles, lack of a pass rush uh, and kind of an overall picture where the Chiefs are at right now. I want to talk about some changes I saw in the run defense about Acker versus Mitchell in the secondary, whether or not Alex can maybe turn it around um, And whether or not, you know, there's any likelihood of seeing Patrick Mahomes, which I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to call for it. Everyone don't hurt me. I'm just talking about it because a few people ask me to. (laughs) Um, I also want to talk about the uh, the issues the offense seems to be having against cover two um, and some of the problems that come from there. And then I've got a bunch of great mailbag questions. Um, This is actually the 19th episode of the Chief in the North podcast. And I figure, you know, 20 is kind of a a good thing to celebrate. I don't know, 20 or 25, but I'm going to go with 20. And so I'm going to do a special edition Chief in the North podcast next week. Might actually try to get a few guests on or something like that. Or maybe it'll just be special because every week with you guys is special. I don't know. I had nothing there. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs here. Starting with Kareem Hunt. We all know Kareem Hunt is a stud. Kareem Hunt can play. Um, and Kareem Hunt had three carries in the second half against Dallas. Um and the unfortunately unfortunate thing there is he had uh, one 18-yard carry, maybe it was 19, I can't remember, a four-yard carry, then a six-yard carry. So he he gained, he was gaining some traction on the ground. It was the first drive of the second half for the Chiefs. They marched down the field, scored a touchdown, and Kareem Hunt was a part of that. Not just in the fact that he ran the ball well, which he did, but because they had a couple of play-action looks that opened up the rest of the offense. Um. And then they proceeded to just not go to him the rest of the game. Charkandrick West actually had nearly as many snaps and maybe more, actually. I can't, don't have the information in front of me. And the Chiefs made it painfully obvious that they were going to just be throwing the ball from there on out. And Hunt was no longer part of the game plan. I had people tell me that was, it was situational. Here's the thing. On their next drive, they took a deep shot to Hill on first down. Great. No issue with that at all. On second and ten, they ran kind of a multi motion play that ended up getting called for illegal formation or illegal shift. And they got a penalty. So then now it's second and fifteen, so they throw the ball and then and so I had people tell me you can't run the ball like right. In any of those situations, I disagree on second and 10, you absolutely can run the ball. And the idea that you can't is part of what hinders Reed's play calling process. In my opinion, he tends to, in second and 10 situations, refuse to run the ball. And the problem with that is that means if you throw the ball on first down, it's an incomplete pass. You're basically guaranteeing throwing the ball again on second down. Um, The Chiefs then didn't get the ball back until the fourth quarter with about nine minutes left down 11. I had some people tell me that that's no time to run the ball. That's plenty of time to run the ball, especially if you're going to do it successfully. Um, Kareem Hunt could have really helped open up a few things for the offense. You can run the ball and hurry up. You can make him part of it. They did not. Um, Hunt needs the ball more. The fact of the matter is he's a very, very good player. The, The run blocking hasn't been great, but they've been moving away from him way too early lately. It's really easy to forget at this point but against, say, like the Chargers, against the Eagles, or some games in the season against the Redskins, Kareem Hunt wasn't getting a ton of traction early in those games. It was in the third and fourth quarter when he really did his best work. He got stronger as the game went along, and defense has got more and more allergic to tackling him. Reed's moved away from that. That's not a good thing. Hopefully they see a way to alleviate that, because going away from a guy who is now the front runner for Rookie of the Year is ridiculous. It's not something that should be done. He's a big part of their success early on, and he should become a bigger part of the offense. A second thing from that, the Dallas game is Alex Smith's struggles. Um, make no mistake, Alex Smith struggled. There's just absolutely no doubt about it. I finished the All-22 review. It's up on Arrowhead Pride. Um, I think I I, I entitled it Bad Alex Returns. And if you you haven't read the article, go take a look because I can go into a lot more detail there with a bunch of GIFs than I can here. But I can say that it was even worse than the Pittsburgh game. This was Alex's worst outing of the season. He missed eight open receivers. Well, he actually had eight snaps with missed shots. Um, the couple of those, there was more than one receiver open. He struggled with happy feet. He really fulfilled a lot of the narratives that have been built about him by people that don't like him. Now, does that mean that's how bad Alex is? No. Like I said, it was his worst game of the year. He's had plenty of really great games this year, but he played poorly. Um... People can talk about pass rush. He's beaten better pass rushes than that. Philadelphia was coming after him harder and so was Washington. And he still played extremely well in those games. So the idea that it was just pass rush is ridiculous to me. Alex himself, he didn't throw the ball as accurately down the field. Um, he had, he, he had that one deep shot to Tyree kill where if he'd laid it up inside a little bit more, you're talking a big play instead of out of bounds, um, He just wasn't throwing the ball as well. He missed Ross Travis on an admittedly tough shot, but that's one that he's hit throughout the course of the season, and he missed it there. And Again, those missed shots, he had a couple of potential touchdowns or huge plays where he just flat-out missed them. Tough game by Alex. He really struggled against the cover-two zone looks that Dallas was throwing at him. and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast because I'm starting to see a trend there. And I don't like seeing a trend there, but we'll get into that a little bit right before we sift through the icky or right after we sift through the icky. That is the Dallas game, the lack of a pass rush. I've gone through the film now, and I think the lack of a pass rush has been a bit overwrought by Chiefs fans. And the reason for that being, yes, there were some snaps where Dak had all day to throw. Part of that is just Dak has good pocket presence. Uh, and he's willing to just stand there if there's no pressure whatsoever. He moves his feet well, and they've got a good offensive line. So yes, there were snaps like that. However, there were multiple snaps where they got pressure, and they forced Dak to run, and his mobility kind of negated it. Dak's got good pocket presence, and he th- he, he plays well on the run, and that made the pass rush look a little more anemic than it was. One thing I noticed was at, was Justin Houston was off the field more than I would have liked and so I, I think this nagging knee injury, you know, it's it's starting to become more and more of a worry for a lot of people even though Houston has by and large played great this year. Um people are going to wonder if one of his better ga- you know, the fact that one of his better games this season came on extra rest, does that indicate that there really is an issue with the knee? I don't know, but I will say uh Chris Jones actually showed up a lot more on tape than I realized live. He did a lot of plays where he chased Dak into the arms of another or forced him into an errant throw. He had some nice plays against the run as well. So that was good to see. Um, But as far as the lack of pass rush goes, part of that was just Dak and the cowboy offensive line playing well. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that. So I'm not too worried about that at this point. So right now we've got the Chiefs sitting at six and three. Obviously they're at the top of their division. Obviously, there no one's even within a game of them, and so it, it, it could be a lot worse. You know, had someone asked me, and now here's the problem. You know, this is similar to stuff that you know we were saying last week after the Broncos win. But it, the, the truth remains: if someone were to ask me before the season, "Hey, at the bye week, the Chiefs will be six and three. Will you take it?" I'd say, "Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that." Not maybe quite as great as I would like, but that's solid with with that start. Especially if someone had told me, hey, the Redskins are going to be better than people expect. And the Eagles are going to be way better than people expect. And the Texans are going to be a really tough out because you're going to play them with Deshaun Watson. And he's going to have a really good rookie year, although the Chiefs played well against him. You know, if people had told me all of these things... I would have said, oh man, thank God they made it to six and three. Because by and large, their schedule has been absolutely brutal. You know, people are really... The fact is the Chiefs have lost three of four. And so that has people freaking out. But at the end of the day, they went on the road against a tough Dallas opponent that was finally healthy, finally had everyone back on defense. Their defensive front is good when it's healthy. And they lost on the road. Um, Right before their bye week where teams, especially Andy Reid teams, traditionally struggle. I don't think that's a reason to quite freak out just yet. I don't think. Um, they, they didn't come out and play particularly well on offense, and that's concerning. However, there were some things that the defense did differently and better that gave me some hope. Some of the plays that were made that, that resulted in the Chiefs losing were just Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott making a good play. And sometimes that's just what happens. Your opponent just beats you. On the flip side, the Chiefs did have a fair number of their own mistakes that led to the loss as well. And I know that's why a lot of people are upset. I do think the primary reason, like I said at the top of this pod, the people are upset is it resembled a loss to Pittsburgh. And now that that's the second time in four weeks we've seen a loss like that, people are going to start thinking, oh, it's the same stuff. Same stuff, different day. Um, Here's what I would say. It's taken two playoff contenders to give the Chiefs losses like that this year, I'm going to panic a lot more if like the Giants do that to them or if, you know, name one of the other teams down the stretch because, I mean, you got to remember last season, some inferior teams did that same thing to them. This year, they got beat in a freak game with the Raiders. That was just an unbelievable freak game on Thursday night on the road. Then they had a couple of kind of discouraging losses against Dallas and Pittsburgh. Two very good teams, especially again with Dallas having everyone healthy. They, you know, when, now that they've gotten everyone back on their defense, you're talking, uh, what were they? A 12 win team last season, 13 win team. They're very, very good. Now, Doesn't mean there's not reason for concern. There absolutely is not sure it's quite time to panic. Although I think I was saying that last week too. So maybe I'm just not much of a panicker who knows. Um, I do want to talk about some of the things that I saw that were encouraging with the run defense. Um, and maybe not so encouraging because while the run defense, I think did better than what we've previously seen. They weren't exactly great either against a tough Cowboys team. Um, and so I want to talk about that. And again, I want to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on with the secondary and some of the stuff that's been going on with Alex and, and zone defenses. So we're going to do that. First, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll dive into the, those, those topics. All right. Let's talk about run defense. Everyone knows that the Chiefs have struggled on run defense this year. It's been a pretty common theme. Another thing that everyone knows is that a big part of that struggle has by and large been when the Chiefs are switching to nickel fronts, they're bringing in Danny Sorensen as a, as a as a kind of a hybrid safety linebacker, like what they had Barry do often and Sorensen, Sorensen just wasn't cutting it. And so what you often had there was a situation where the defense was just overmatched right from the get-go. And I talked about that quite a bit last week, weight issues and that kind of thing. Well, Sutton came in against the Cowboys with a different defensive plan than what I've seen against anyone yet this year. He did a few things differently. One, he ran some heavy front four. Um, not a ton of it, but there were a few times where he had Chris Jones, Roy Miller, Benny Logan, and Raheem Nunez Rochez as his four down defensive linemen. Um, as you probably can imagine, having a couple of 315 plus pounders and then a couple of 300 pounders as your front four is an unusual front. That's very heavy. And that particular front had success stopping the run, um, for, You know, reasons you can kind of anticipate. When you've got four heavies like that, it's that much more difficult for the offensive line to win all its one on one matchups and just muscle guys out of the way, even an offensive line as talented as Dallas's. So that was one change that I saw. Another big change that got made, and it was throughout the course of the game, um, Pierre Lewis was brought in on nickel packages and he played that second linebacker spot instead of daniel Sorensen. daniel Sorensen was then rotated back to a more traditional safety role or he was put in a kind of a robber role with with parker playing more single man single high that wasn't as common and so eric murray lost snaps because of this um I'm curious about that because there are a lot of people who would say, and I'm not sure how much I agree just yet because Murray has really struggled as of late with recognition, Um, but I do think he's got more range than Sorensen, so it's interesting the idea of Sorensen being one of two, two deep Safeties. Um, He seemed to do okay in that role. I wasn't really complaining about it or anything. Um, He's obviously not as good as Ron Parker, who continues to be an underrated member of the Chiefs defense, and I think is one of the few guys that is keeping things from just having the lid completely blown off the top. I think Ron Parker and Justin Houston and even Chris Jones, who hasn't played as well as I would have hoped this year, I think those guys and Benny Logan are doing more to keep everything from falling apart than fans know. I would include Marcus Peters in that, even though Peters hasn't been as good as we would have hoped this year as well. He's still been solid in coverage. You've got a few guys that I think are doing a lot to keep kind of the lid from blowing off the whole thing. Um, but anyway, so this change with the run defense, I, I went back and I tracked the, uh, the success that they had on plays like this. And I mean, I've got good news and bad news. Um, you know, the, the bad news is there were still multiple successful run plays here. I'm looking at my little chart in front of me. Uh, I've got an eight yard gain here, six yard gain, a seven yard gain, seven yard gain, 11 and 11, um, and a five, but I've also got uh, well, and there's a four here too. take that for which it was kind of like an average run play for anyone. But I've also got a negative four, a three, a one, a three, a one, a three. And so you've kind of got some other, uh, oh, another one. So you've, you've got some good and some bad there. And here's what I would say to that. What I saw in previous games against the run, the nickel defense was horrific. I mean, was so bad against the run. It was it, it was giving up probably somewhere between 7 and 8 yards a carry at times. And so what you've got is a situation where yes, it wasn't exactly dominant by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't as bad as what we saw Previously, And I guess at this point, you know, I'll take better. Uh, I'm going to do a little quick math in my head right off the top of my head here. Actually, I'm going to write it down on paper. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So you had 67 yards by my count that they gathered that they did on 14 carries. With that, uh, with that, with that new nickel front. And like I said, what they had going on previously when they had teams coming up against that nickel formation, they were just gashing it to the tune of, of seven or eight yards per carry. Well, what you've got now was a situation where Dallas overall averaged 4.78 yards per carry. Now, is that good? No, it's not good. You know, the, the basic rule in run defense is that you don't want to allow, too much over four yards per carry four yards per carry is kind of average under four yards per carry is good. Once you start getting to five, that's really bad. And so then there's just kind of this variance there, but here's what I will say. It's way better. And part of what made it way better was one, you know, when you have one stuff for negative four yards that KPL caused, that's going to really mess with your averages. So I don't think it was quite as good as it appears Based on just taking that average, but again, it's better. And you know what? For right now, I'll take better. And the run defense itself—if you take a look at uh, Elliott's overall stats—the run defense itself was better than what it's been in previous in previous weeks. And again, I'm not looking for perfection here. I'm not looking for a dominant run defense at this point, um, just because going from you know, from, from, from horrible to great is a pretty high expectation. However, the Chiefs did hold Ezekiel Elliott to 3.4 yards per carry. Now, let's keep in mind, some of that was affected by the final drive where everyone knew that they would be running the ball right? That's going to, that's going to change your averages. However, considering that he had 25 plus carries that shows that they did well on other carries. And for what it's worth 10 of those yards was on a speed option run where it was just a failure to edge contain. And you're talking 10% of his yards gained There wasn't really a traditional, we're getting the ball run down our throats. So what I would say is there's something to be encouraged about there because it's, There was an area of major weakness, and it looked a little bit shored up. So, excuse me. See, that's something I would edit out if I was more of a professional, but I'm not going to because this is the Chief in the North. Now, we're not quite amateur hours. sub Dirk and Ryan? But, uh, you know, we're still pretty amateur here. Anyway, I want to talk about Acker and Mitchell. Um, You know, Terrence Mitchell was benched. We saw Acker take the field and... It was kind of talk about maybe it was a motivational tool. Would we see Mitchell again right away? Well, we haven't. Acker remains the starter. And I'm kind of mystified as to why, to be perfectly honest. I've had a lot of people ask me about Acker versus Mitchell. Um, Mitchell wasn't having a particularly good year. Um, He was struggling with penalties. He was getting targeted a ton. That said, what I like about Mitchell was that he gives as good as he gets. He he does give up plays, absolutely, but he makes receivers earn them. If you go back and you watch a lot of the plays that he gave up, they are contested. He is fighting like crazy. He is trying to swat away the ball. He's hitting them immediately. They, the, the receiver, it looks miserable playing him. Now, that results in a few more penalties for sure, but then go back and watch some of the catches that Acker's giving up. It seems like he's constantly three or four yards away from his man. Um, I personally don't think it's particularly close between the two of them. I uh, I think think Mitchell is the better corner. I think he's got quicker feet. I think he mirrors routes better. I don't think he has the same top-end speed. I think he's a better tackler. I think he's better run support. I think he's better contesting the ball. I think he is just a better overall player. And honestly, I wish now that they had Steven Nelson back, that they would go back to the trio of Peters, Nelson, and Mitchell that saw a ton of success last year down the stretch. I understand why they benched Mitchell. I do. But, and now they've got a bye week to think this through. Acker hasn't done any better, and in fact, I would argue he's done worse, so I'm hopeful that after the bye week, that little experiment is over, and we'll we'll see Mitchell back on the field um. A couple more things that I want to hit real quick before we go to a break and then do a bunch of mailbag questions. You guys had so many great mailbag questions. Um, I'm probably going to have to save some of them or call for a whole new round because there's no way I'll get to all of them. They were just all awesome. Uh, People are asking me if Alex Smith can turn it around. Um, I think he absolutely can. I mean he 's even in these last four games in this rough four game stretch, Alex has had two strong performances against Oakland and denver and if you 're like what denver um if you read my article on Arrowhead Pride about that, he really held up well under the all twenty um, two That was really one of those games where drops and bad routes and poor protection and bad luck made his 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 performance look incredibly just so much worse statistically than it actually was. He played well against Denver. I actually think he played maybe better than he did against Oakland, even though his stat line was way better against Oakland. However, two of his last four games have been poor, Dallas and Pittsburgh. And what's disturbing about those that those things is that uh they both came against similar coverages. Dallas played a lot of zone Tony Romo talked about this during the broadcast and he hit the nail on the head. They were playing just a lot of simple cover two zone. They were doing some zone blitz disguises and they were doing some things, you know, they weren't running it straight up, but they were running a lot of just a lot of shallow zone. They were flooding shallow routes. Um, they, and that was one change over what you might sometimes see in cover, Two. You didn't have the, the corners backing off quite as much as you might normally get. But they were basically they were flooding those shallow routes. And they would give a little cushion, kind of dare Alex to, to hit underneath routes. And that's what he did. And he didn't have a lot of success busting them up deep. He didn't have a lot of success busting them up in the seams, which is where you can often attack cover too. Um, overall, he just did not have much success busting them up. He, he missed a lot of shots. He seemed really rattled by it. And what it seems to me... Is that it was pretty consistent with what I've seen in Pittsburgh when Alex is rattled by the fact that he's not be able to completely diagnose things pre-snap and he's got to do more post-snap. And also when you're facing zone, you've got to throw a little more often with anticipation rather than seeing your wide receiver winning his route. You know, if it's man coverage, you can see, okay, he look great, he's got to step on him. In zone coverage, you've got to anticipate, okay, that's where he's running towards. That's where the empty space is. I'm throwing it to that empty space. That is not Alex's strength. That's not what he's good at. Now he's been doing it well for the most part this year, but against Pittsburgh and Dallas, it was a little bit ugh, seeing him like I, you know, I you know, kind of regress to bad Alex or 2016 Alex, Alex Smith 1.0, whatever you want to call it. So can he turn it around? Well That kind of goes hand-in-hand with this zone versus man discussion. Um, The offense overall needs to find an answer for basic zone coverages. And I know they've got zone buster routes, but I'm not sure I'm seeing enough of them. I really would love... uh, Travis Kelsey is a born zone buster, in my opinion. Um, He's pretty good at sitting down in open spots, and he's also great with seam routes. So he's a guy that you can go to and hit those intermediate routes that destroy cover two. He didn't hit those open spots. He's a guy that you can go to a ton and do that. Now, Dallas, smartly, from what I saw, they, they, it's not like they played, again, pure cover two constantly. They did a lot of bracketing of Kelsey because they know that he's dangerous. And from what I saw, the, uh, the remaining receivers maybe didn't do quite enough to drift to open zones, maybe trusted their routes a little too much. They need to work on that kind of your, you know, your scramble drill, only just a little less, uh, urgent. You just got to learn to drift to the open spots. And I'm not sure Tyreek Hill and Demarcus Robinson have gotten good enough at that yet. I think they miss Chris Conley in that respect. I think they even miss Albert Wilson in that respect. And so it'll be good, hopefully getting Wilson back after the bye week, because I do think he adds a veteran presence that can at least kind of talk to the young guys about, at least on these short zones, getting out of where the defender is and getting into the open space. That's something they need to drill a lot of. Um, That's the overall offensive scheme issue they need to work on with Alex. He is going to have to start throwing with more anticipation. Um, And that's going to be a big thing. And he's got to hit his deep shots. He did not do so against, against Dallas. Didn't hit one of them. Um, Now, one of them was kind of a weird play where Hill got held a little bit, but, You know, overall, he didn't throw the ball as well, intermediate and deep zones as he has been. And it really affected things. Uh, And just for the record, it's not like Dallas and Pittsburgh are the only teams to play zone against the Chiefs this year. Your average defense plays zone like half the time. So it's not like there's something just magic. Oh, they flipped the zone defense. The Chiefs are terrible. However, doing it constantly... And specifically trying to bracket Kelsey and specifically flooding shallow zones. Those are something that Pittsburgh, that's stuff that Pittsburgh's been doing. Mixing up your zone blitzes, trying to send guys and then send zone defenders to to where the hot read would normally be. That's something that Dallas was doing. And Alex is going to have to adjust to that kind of thing. So again, he needs to throw with more anticipation. He needs to maybe trust his pre-snap reads a little bit less and be a little more prepared to not have an open first read because teams are really gunning for trying to take that away from him. Now they do that for every quarterback, but a lot of quarterbacks you can't sell out for their first read because they'll just go to the next guy. Um, there was one snap in particular where they Dallas blitzed off the edge and there was pressure, but Travis Kelsey came wide open across the middle on what should have been a pretty easy blitz buster throw to hit. And maybe, you know, I had a, a a colleague of mine, take a look at it. He's not a Chiefs fan. I wanted to see his opinion. And he estimated it would have been a 40-yard gain. And he said, knowing Travis Kelsey, he said all he's got to do is make one or two guys miss. And he might house that. And I think he was absolutely right. Alex is going to have to be better with that. He's going to have to be better with happy feet and missed shots. He, they've got to adjust the idea. They're going to see a lot of zone coverage. Um, the The Raiders and the Broncos tried it as well and a lot of similar looks, at least early, and they weren't as successful. So it's not this magic pill against the Chiefs offense, but they've got to get more consistent executing against it, which is one reason the bye week coming up right now, They, I think they needed that bye week. I really do. They played like they needed that bye week, almost like they were looking forward to the bye week against the Cowboys. And so I think that will give them time to kind of adjust to how the league has adjusted to the new offense Andy Reid has unveiled this year. And I think if they do those things, if they make those adjustments and Alex plays like we know he can, like we've seen him play this year, I think he'll absolutely bounce back. Um, Will we see him playing at the MVP level we saw through the first five games of the year? I'm not 100% sure of that, but I do think he can bounce back and play a lot better than he played against Dallas. All right, I've got a ton of mailbag questions to get to, and then I want to talk about you know our special edition episode we're going to do for, for episode 20, and so I'm going to take one more break, and then we're going to come back, and all the mailbags shall be answered. Well, not all of them, but the ones that I can get to reasonably. Mailbag time. This is one of my very, very favorite things. I'm not very good at executing it, but I'm going to try to get to as many as humanly possible. If I don't get to yours, um, send them to me the next time I do a call out for mailbag questions, and we'll get there together. Uh, Mr. C. David, my buddy Charlie asks, bigger problem down the stretch, subpar QB play or run defense? Um, the thing I'm more worried about after watching that Dallas game is subpar QB play. I have faith in Alex Smith. I really do. Oh man. I never got to the Mahomes stuff with Alex Smith. I guess we'll have to talk about that here. I do have faith in Alex Smith to be a good quarterback. I think we've seen a lot of new stuff from him this year that we didn't think he could do. I know a lot of people are concerned that he's regressing to to the mean or whatever people want to say. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I've seen enough new stuff this year that I have a hard time believing he's going to completely regress to how he played in 2016. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, However, I also think that the run defense is just innately not as important as quarterback play. And based on the adjustments that I saw against Dallas, I think if they continue to kind of make some of the moves that they're making, I think they'll be able to have at least an average run defense down the stretch. I'm worried about Alex getting beat by the coverages that we're seeing. I'm worried about him not quite throwing with enough anticipation and and being asked to do the things that he was doing early in the year, but maybe he's not going to be comfortable doing them consistently. I am worried about that. Both of those things are correctable, and neither of those things are necessarily going to be fatal, but I could see it. But um, addressing the the Mahomes issue, um, you know, pro football talk and Mike Florio, they he likes to stir up stuff. And so he, he asked if it would make sense for the Chiefs to move on from Alex Smith this year if he has another few poor performances. Um, I don't see it happening. I think they're going to come out strong against the Giants and people are going to forget about that. I have heard more and more people ask me about that on Twitter and uh, emails and that kind of thing. Um I just don't see it. I don't think Andy would do that in a in a season that's not lost. I think now if the Chiefs went out and lose, you know, 3 in a row or something like that to where they're 6 and 6, well at that point might as well. Something like that. Um particularly if Alex plays kind of meh in those games. I could see that happening. Um but I I would be so, just stunned if that happened. Because Alex really has played very well this year. Um, So the only reason I'm I'm addressing it isn't because I'm a a Mahomer or whatever people are calling it. I think that's what Briscoe calls it. I'm a Mahomer, But it's because people have legitimately been asking me. I just don't see it happening. Um, The artist chief asked me, if the Chief of the North had a banner, would it be a wolf? As in KC Wolf. Um, I I guess I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, If the Chief of the North had a banner... Oh, man. Well, you guys, look, I'm sorry, you know, and this is as close as I'll ever get to foisting my beliefs on you. But for me, it would probably be a cross. I'm a pastor, guys. I'm sorry. You get what you get with me. All right. So that's that's probably what it would be for the chief in the north would be some kind of cross. You know, call me Constantine, I guess. Well, no, don't because that guy was kind of a jerk. Anyway, um, I was asked uh, by Sean Hedden, why do we seem to be abandoning the run? Sean, I don't know. (laughs) I wish I knew. Um, I do think this is just kind of Andy Reid. He trusts his scheming. He trusts his offense. And when the run doesn't seem to work early on, he tends to abandon it a little bit. He also, like I said earlier, he's got that annoying habit where he doesn't often want to run the ball on like second and 10. Well, the problem is if you pass the ball for an incomplete pass and first down, you're going to see a second and 10. Um, I hope to see them get Kareem the ball more, which goes right into this next question from Mr. Proctober, which I really like your name. Ways to get Kareem going, give him the ball. Give him the ball and stick with it. Grind it out. Um, they've got two weeks now for Morse and LDT to get completely healthy. Get some of their rhythm back together. Get the offensive line that looked like a major strength of the team in the preseason and early on this season. The offensive line looked great. Get that going again. And I think you'll see Hunt do just fine. Hunt's a stud. He just needs his carries. I think he'll be fine if, that, uh, if, if that's done, if they just give him the ball. Um, another one from the artist chief, just cause I like this one. You get 2 mid season grades who is underrated and who is overrated on the chiefs roster so far this year. Um, I would say underrated is continually belongs to Ron Parker um he continues to do well covering the back end he had a couple plays against dallas where he saved big plays against the run and the pass he kind of does a little bit of everything and his job is a million times tougher because he's not playing next to eric Berry and hussein abdullah anymore and so i just i think he's perennially underrated i also think oddly enough justin houston has been underrated by chiefs fan this year he has been far and away the best defensive player on the defense and all I hear from people is, well, is Justin Houston ever going to be the same? And again, far and away, he's been the best player on the defense. Um as far as overrated on the Chiefs roster, there are a few different directions that I could go here. I think at this point, and this guy's gone from being underrated to being overrated. Um now that's kind of changing again, but I think Eric Fisher has become kind of overrated. I think he's struggled this year too often. Um that that's been a that's been a real issue. Um as far as now, that doesn't mean he struggled every game. He's had some really good games too, but he struggled more than a guy getting paid big money at left tackle should, in my opinion. Um, another overrated player, um, DJ struggles to become well-known, so you can't really call him overrated anymore. Um, I think that that's still one, though, that really has to be out there and be noted, and um, and then you know I'm I'm kind of a homer and so I don't want to call anyone else overrated I feel like doing two guys is enough there, um, I'm asked by T Van most important need offensive or defensive line linebackers or defensive backs um, I think if we're going to go into like what we're going to try to address this offseason, I think we need to address inside linebackers and defensive backs the most, um that that would be that would be the thing I would go after. Um, Brent Rendell asked regarding cream hunt. Is it him or have opponents of coordinators found flaws, tendencies to exploit in our run game? Um, what I've seen on film is that, Teams are really keen on him early in games, and it seems like they understand that if they can do well against him early, Andy Reid will move away from the run. They are, if you if you really watch, teams are really. I mean, I don't know why they're not doing more play action early in games because the moment they start showing run, guys are just sprinting to to hunt. He is really a key component of defensive coordinators to stop early in the game. And it seems like they understand if they take him out early, Reed will move away from it. So I would say it, and you combine that with the run blocking was struggling the last few weeks. I think that's been the real issue. Um, when you combine those two things, I don't think they are anything doing, uh, anything, doing, uh, anything special in particular. Um, Whatever happened? Uh, Jamie Crockett asks, whatever happened to Rameek Wilson? I thought he played really well last year in the first two games of the year. Then they demoted him out of nowhere. Is he really worse than Ragland? Um, I don't think Wilson played really well last year. Um, I, don't, I don't think he was horrible. I don't think he played that well in particularly, though. And I don't think that he was suited for what they want someone to do next to DJ. To be a thumper, to play downhill, to take on blocks, that kind of stuff. I think he's more of a read and react guy, better in zone coverage. Um, and I just, I, so I'm, I'm not really sure that I would say that he was that much better than Ragland. Um, as far as worse than Ragland, I think for the role that they've got Ragland in, especially if they keep doing what I saw them doing against Dallas and letting Ragland play downhill rather than read and react football, to where it's just, okay, there's your gap, run to your gap find the ball carrier and get going. Or just, I mean, it just it's just go, not wait and read which hole he's going through, then pursue. Just pursue, go after him. Raglan had a few nice stops that way, and he overall was a big part of helping shut down Ezekiel Elliott on certain plays. So I do think Raglan's got more potential moving forward, especially for that thumper role. Um, Putin Puppet 45. Oh man, am accidentally getting political here asked me what will KC be able to get for Alex Smith in an off-season trade I have absolutely no idea um you know had you had you asked me after 5 games I'd have said man if they keep this up like three first rounders um I think something reasonable in the off-season would be I, I could see them, depending on how he finishes out his year here, I could see them getting a first rounder for him or two second rounders or something like that, similar to what San Francisco got. But a lot's going to depend on his play down the stretch. Um, If his play goes back up, it might be like a first and a third, something like that. But I think they'll get a pretty good bounty for him. The quarterback market is crazy, guys. There are teams that are willing to overpay for a quarterback. They absolutely are. Even if it's just viewed as like a one-year rental or so. Let's say you're Jacksonville. You wouldn't give up a first rounder for Alex Smith. I absolutely would. And then the thing is, oh, well, you only have him for a year. But if you get him there and he feels appreciated and you trade for him and the team has success, you've got the ability to franchise him or resign him. So really having a quarterback for a year, because if he's good enough, he's worth franchising. That's the same thing as having him for two. And so I think there are some teams out there that'll absolutely be willing to to bet big on Alex Smith and it's just got to be a specific type of team. Jacksonville is the most obvious destination for him because I don't they're not going to have a good enough draft pick to get a quarterback of their own. So I think they'll be able to get probably at least a couple second rounders for him at this point. Um Don Beale asks, two-part, why can't we all just get along? I don't know, Don, but everyone just loves to argue. Second part, if the chiefs end up with a 13 three record, make it to the AFC championship game, what player position coach needs to step up? Well, that always falls on the quarterback, unfortunately. Um, that's you know that that's what it's always going to fall on. And I would say the other player would be for DJ to start showing us signs of being himself. Um, Those would be the two things that would make the biggest impact in my opinion. Um, So um, we've covered, so I'm trying to skip through questions that I believe uh, we have uh, that that we've covered at least in, in some variation. You know, I do have someone asking me, you know, why does cover Two frustrate Alex so badly? Mike Marshall Wilson asks, um, you know, again, it, it requires that. And I just really want to clarify here. It's not because Alex Smith is a terrible quarterback cover two, especially certain versions of it. It especially when it's disguised. Well, when it involves some kind of zone blitz, it takes away in part what Alex is best at, which is pre-snap reads. Um, it takes away that that kind of anticipation edge that he has over a lot of quarterbacks, and it forces him to do some things that he's not best at. Being patient in the pocket and waiting for receivers to find the open zones is not what he's best at. Throwing with anticipation is not what he's best at. Again, it's just a matter of strengths and weaknesses. Um that, that, it's not a matter, again, of terrible Alex or anything like that. It's just a matter of his particular strengths and weaknesses, I think is why he's struggling with the cover two zone. Got a couple of weeks to figure it out now. Hopefully he does. Uh, Chris Swofford says, I saw Raglan and KPL in the base defense, some against the Cowboys. Was DJ in about as much as usual? Could the Chiefs be planning to gradually pass the baton in front of our eyes this season? I don't see it happening. DJ was on the field a ton against Dallas still. And so I would be surprised if that happened. Um, you had... You definitely had KPL in a lot more, but that was mostly in the nickel. Um, I barely noticed him in the base, or the actual traditional base. In fact, I I can't remember one snap like that. So maybe there were a couple, but there weren't that many. Um, uh, Nicholas Barnes asks, I have a feeling that the Chiefs may not have felt like the Cowboys game was important to win. Do you agree? Man, I hope not. I hope that's not how they view it. Um, That's just... uh, Uh, that that that's never the attitude to have in the NFL because every game matters in a 16 game season. I've got root. I've got time for a couple more questions and then I'm going to have to call it a day because you know, we just can't, uh, I, I, I bet I could dance. There's like 20 more here. You guys are great by the way. Um, Garrison Brown asks, is Demarcus Robinson as good as we thought? Um, and he asked a few more things. Sorry, Garrison, no cheating. Um, Demarcus Robinson, I've enjoyed watching him. He was one of the people that came open a few times and Alex missed. I would like to see Robinson the first read more often. He is capable of getting separation and adjusting the ball and making some, some difficult catches. He's not nearly as physical as Conley. I don't think he's nearly good at catching a contested pass, but He's got some skills from what I've seen and enough to at least give him some, give him some chances here on the offense. He hasn't really had a ton of chances. Uh, Steve Kennedy asks, Mitch Schwartz has been great against divisional opponents, but it seemed like Demarcus Lawrence had his number and was in his head Sunday. What happened? You know what? You summed it up fairly well. Uh, Schwartz, he, he got beat a few times very, very, very quickly. Um, maybe even more than a few times. He really had a tough game. He does seem to bring... The heat against division opponents. He plays real well against Von Miller, which hey, that's part of it. You know, and he plays generally very well against Khalil Mack, too. So hey, fair enough. And that's what you want. You want to play against those great rushers. But for whatever reason, against Lawrence, he did not have a particularly good game. And so, you know, I I I, I think he'll be fine. He's been playing real well lately. And so I just don't I don't see him doing some kind of downgrade. I think it was just a rough game. Like the rest of the team, I think Schwartz, I think they all really needed a bye week. And maybe we as fans did too, because we've been starting to live and die on some things. You know, the Chiefs are getting their bye week later than a lot of teams. This is a chance for them to rest, you know, heal up a little bit, really think about what they've been doing and start scheming to adjust to the adjustments the teams have made since the season started. And so it couldn't have come at a better time, really. They're going to come back very healthy. Um, Tamba Hali looked like he had a spring in his step. That was a great thing. Get the offensive line healthy. Get them working together again for a while. And I think you're going to see the Chiefs offense bounce back strong against the Giants. If they don't, well, and again, maybe I said this last week, maybe it's time to start hitting the panic button. So that's what I have for you today. Like I, like I've been saying next, next week will be the 20th episode of the chief in the North. And I'm going to, again, open it up for mailbag questions. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to make them super special mailbag questions because it's 20 episodes. Um, you know, I was looking at, I was looking at the numbers and we've had, I can't even remember how many thousands of listeners. I think we hit 70,000 plus a little while ago. Um, I just wanted to say thanks for being willing to listen, and so we'll have a we'll have ourselves a a special episode. One thing that I really do want to do, I think, is maybe bring a guest on next week. So keep an eye on Twitter for what I decide to do with that. You know, uh, Chris Clark and Ryan Tracy have long been you know friends of the show, Um, and so maybe I'll have them come on here instead of me appearing on Locked On with them. Do a little you know Freaky Friday action. Um, Be sure if you appreciate what you hear here, if you appreciate the the film review stuff, the little more in-depth analysis, be sure to subscribe whether you're on whatever there is for for Android or whether you're on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe if it's not available on whatever podcast app you have. Uh, Let me know on Twitter and I'll let Arrowhead Pride, I'll let Joel know on Twitter so we can try to get us signed up on that. I appreciate you listening. We will talk again soon. Uh, This has been The Chief in the North, The Land of 10,000 Takes. Thanks so much again for listening, guys.